Well, we're in a sermon series called The Necessity of an Enemy. And um, before this, we taught on the, the purpose of temptation and the power of a problem. And if, if you weren't here for those series, those messages, I encourage you to get them. They're very foundational truths that you need to know. But we've seen that when we get a promise from God, when we get a dream from God, when we get a vision from God, between the promise and the promised land, between receiving a, a, a dream and its fulfillment, between a vision and its reality, there are times of temptation, there are times of testing, there are problems to solve, and there are enemies to overcome. And how we respond to those temptations and problems determines whether or not we enter into the, the promised land, where we fulfill, see the fulfillment of the vision. We saw that with the children of Israel. Not all of them got into the promised land, right? Come on, answer me today. Not all of them got in. It's not a trick question. <laughs> they all got the same promise, right? But not all of them entered into the fulfillment of that promise. And what, what I want you to know today is even when you do enter into the promised land, even when your vision is accomplished, even when your dream is fulfilled, there will still be enemies in the land. So I'm preaching a message today entitled Breaking Through Enemy Lines. And, and here's, the, here's the good news I, I want to tell you today. You can know in advance exactly who those enemies are. You can know who the enemies in the land are, and you can be prepared to defeat them. I'm going to teach you that today and next week. This is going to be a two-part message because there's seven enemies we're going to, to deal with. But when I think of breakthroughs in, in the Bible... We're talking about breaking through enemy lines. And when I think of that, one of the first things I think of is the children of Israel uh, breaking through the walls of Jericho. And God promised a land to Abraham and his descendants. And they're called the children of Israel. And, but in order to, to get into that land, they first had to break out of Egypt, where they had been held in bondage and slavery for 400 years. By the way, this isn't in my message, but just thought this came to me. You, you ought to read Genesis. I think it's Genesis 15, 16, when, when God was talking about this promise of this land to Abraham. He promised it to Abraham. He said, uh, when you get there, and Abraham did get there, he said, but oh, oh, well, God said, by the way, uh, your descendants will be there in bondage for 400 years because... The iniquity of the Amorites, we'll be talking about the Amorites today, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. So when we, when we hear about the, the nation of Israel going into the Canaan land and taking over the land and going to war and displacing enemies and killing them, those nations had 400 years. Those people groups, those tribes had 400 years. It was a God of grace and a God of mercy. He's not just arbitrarily going around saying, all right, wipe these people out and kill these people. He gave these people 400 years to get right with him, to repent, to turn from him. And when they did not, uh, I mean, you can read Romans 1 about the steps to becoming a reprobate or giving up, given up by God. Uh, there comes a point where the, 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 God says, I, I will not always strive with man. My spirit will not always strive with man. There comes a point where God says, okay, that's it. Yeah. But they had 400 years. And after those 400 years, they had to break out of Egypt, Right? Right? Y'all better help me out this morning. It's going to 
it's going to take me an hour to preach this if I did it this way. <laughs> then they had to break through the wilderness between them and their promise. And then they had to break into the, the cities in the promised land. Now, all of us have promises from God. But in order for us to obtain them, we've got to break out of whatever holds us back from the plan of God for our life. We've got to break through the wilderness between God's plan and God's promise and the fulfillment of it. And then we've got to, when we start seeing the fulfillment of it, we've got to break into the reality of those promises. Listen, the children of Israel had an enemy named Pharaoh. And they could not get out of the not get to their promised land until they got out of Egypt. So God sent a deliverer named Moses to set them free. We have an enemy named Satan, and we will never get to our promised land until we get out of our Egypt. Whatever is holding us back, whatever is keeping us from moving forward in God, that's your Egypt. What's holding you back? You're, uh, you're never going to get to your promise until you get out of Egypt. So God sent a deliverer named Jesus to set us free. <clears throat> but like Israel, when we do arrive at the place of seeing the fulfillment of our promises, we have, still have enemies there to subdue. We still have strongholds to conquer. When the children of Israel cross the Jordan River into this promised land, the very first thing they face, it's just a few miles from the Jordan River there, the very first thing is this huge, this walled city called Jericho. It was a military fortress. Some historians believe it, it was the, the strongest fortress in the land of Canaan. It was built there to, to guard and defend the eastern approach to, to the land of Canaan when you, once you cross the Jordan River. And when the Israelites arrived there, this is the promised land, right? I'm finally here. I've made it. I'm into the fulfillment of my, God's dream for my life. And here's the first thing they say they face. Joshua 6.1 says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. The people of God had a promise from God, but now they faced a very big problem. Jericho had walls that were like six feet wide and, and, and 30 to 40 feet tall. So coming against that city where nobody could get in, nobody could get out, they were well defended. It was a huge problem. In fact, it looked like an insurmountable problem. Listen, I'm talking to you today. When you're trying to walk into what God has for you, all of a sudden you're facing walls wherever you go. It seems like you can't. There's something you have to break through. You can't get past it. This is what happens when we enter into our promised land. When we finally get there, there are enemies there that seem to be unbeatable. But God wants us to break through enemy lines. I have two questions for you today, and I want you to be thinking about this. What's your promise? If you don't know that, your first priority, your assignment, your homework in this sermon is get on your face, fast and pray, do what it takes to find out God's promise, God's call, God's destiny for your life. God has that for you. What is that promise? And then secondly, what's your problem? By that I mean, what, what's your Jericho? You're going to enter into this promise land. What, what's your Jericho? What's standing between you and your promise? What is it? Many of us have dreams and visions and promises from God, but we're still surprised 
that there were enemies in the land of promise. We hear about the promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey and a great wealth and gold and silver and, and houses to live in that you didn't have to build and vineyards to eat from that you didn't have to plant. Uh, it's a place where you lack for nothing. And sometimes we think all that Israel had to do is just cross over the Jordan River and everything was theirs. Well, not exactly. I mean, technically, everything was theirs. But they had to fight for every inch of that ground. The promised land was everything they could hope for, except for the enemies already living there who wanted to keep them out and who wanted to destroy them. Get this. We have an enemy, a thief, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to keep every single one of us in a place of purposelessness in our life. I'm, I'm telling you again, if you can't answer this question, my purpose, the God's purpose for my life is, if you don't know that, you're aimlessly wandering through life. It, it doesn't have to be, I've got to be a preacher. It, it could be a doctor. It could be a lawyer. It could be a stay-at-home mom. It could, be, uh, it could be a plumber. It could be a warehouse worker. Whatever it is God has called you to do, do it and do it with all your heart. But God has a land for you, a promise for you. In Deuteronomy 1.8, God said, See, I've given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land. It, it's, it doesn't just mean like you just waltz right in and everything is yours. In fact, I've taught you this before, but the Hebrew word there for possess, you can look it up if you've got a Strong's Concordance or, or a Bible dictionary. The, the word there to take possession of the land means this, to occupy by... Driving out previous tenants and seizing their place. Every place, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, real close. You listening to me? All right, y'all listening? Every place you want to go in God is already occupied by something else. And you have the responsibility to go into that land, resist the enemy, and he must flee, and occupy the land God has given you. And we forget that the entire promised land was occupied by enemies. Think about the story with the children of Israel. When they were first going there, they sent spies into the land to see what the land was like. And, and the spies came back. And, and in Numbers 13, 31 through 33, here's what they said. Hey, the spies are going in. They're going to come back and tell us about this great land we're going to take. Y'all excited? Y'all ready? Here they come. Let's see what they got to say. Here's what they say. We can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. The land, listen, the land we explore, the land of milk and honey, the promised land, devours those living in it. All the people there we saw were of great size. They're giants in this land. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. See, many of us go through life with this grasshopper mentality. Where we see ourselves as nothing. We see the enemy as huge. And that's the only two things we're looking at. Ourselves, tiny, weak. Enemy, huge. Unbeatable. And listen, if, all your, if your eyes are only on yourself, 
or your enemy, you will lose the battle every time. We've got to get our eyes on the Lord God Almighty. It's like Jehoshaphat said when he prayed to God, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You don't always know what to do, but you've got to know where to keep your eyes, where to keep looking. And think about this. During the conquest of the promised land, the children of Israel had to defeat 31 kings and seven separate nations. Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 12 says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land you're entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Listen, seven nations larger and stronger than you. This is God preparing them. Yeah, you're going there. There are going to be seven nations. Guess what? They're bigger than you. They're stronger than you. But when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them. See, this is, look, this is before it ever happened. This is the promise of God. This is what I'm entering into. I got a promise of God. that I resist the enemy. He must flee. You must destroy them totally. Israel faced nations larger than themselves, stronger than themselves, but they were not larger or stronger than God. And you face enemies larger and stronger than you, but they're not larger or stronger than God. And God had a plan all along to defeat the enemies of Israel. And God has a plan to defeat your enemies. But God's plan always requires our participation and God's participation. We are co-laborers with him. It's not all God. It's not all us. It's, it's us and him. We have a part, but we have a partner. He's the mighty warrior. He's the Lord God Almighty. He's our strong tower. He's a very present help in times of trouble. He is the Lord of the breakthroughs. But we have an enemy who does not want us to possess our destiny. But we have a God who is bigger than our enemy. You know 1 John 4, 4. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. God is greater than Satan. But you still, you, God was greater than these enemies. God drove them out, but they had to defeat them. It's, God said, I'm going to drive them out. And you're thinking like, okay, drive them out. And God says, well, I'm going to drive them out through you. See, we missed that part. We think God's just going to do it. We're going to walk in. Everybody's gone. There's the house I'm going to take. There's the land I'm going to live on. It's all going to be there for me. No, there's people in that house. Remember, everything you go after, somebody's already, somebody's already there. You're going to have to drive the enemy out. You're going to have to defeat the enemies in the land and breakthroughs to start, start when you start identifying your, your breakthrough. What strongholds in your life need to come down? What miracle do you need to march around until it falls down? you got to march around until it falls down. you got to march around and shout it down. In Joshua 1.3, God told Joshua, I'll give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. The promise was originally given to Moses, then it was transferred to Joshua. In the same way, all of God's promises have been transferred to us via Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1.20, no matter how many promises God has made, read your Bible, there's lots of them. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Like the King James, they are yay and amen. Yes and amen in Christ. Every promise of God has your name on it. The question is, how many of them have you claimed? 
And then even after you claim them, that's not enough. You still got, it requires action. It requires warfare to receive those promises. We get promises from God, but I've taught you they're not automatically received. You've got to possess them, which means going in and resisting the enemy and he will flee. And winning that Bible is always based on a word. Winning that battle is based on a word from God. Listen, listen to me close. You can't just arbitrarily pick anything you want from God. I'm going to take behind door number three. A new car! <laughs> You've got to spend time in prayer. You've got to spend time in the Word of God. You've got to have hearing ears, ears to hear God's plan for your life. In Joshua 6, think about this when they took Jericho. I mean, God said in Joshua 6, 2 through 5, the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've delivered Jericho into your hand. Isn't that interesting? You see how God talks? I have delivered. There it stands. Nobody's getting in, nobody's getting out. There's the wall, six feet thick, 30, 40 feet high. God said, I've already given it to you. I've delivered it into your hands, along with his king and his fighting men, who are all standing there with their bows and arrows and swords and ready to fight them. So march around the city once with all the armed men, armed men and do this for six days. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army, army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. I'm sure the seasoned soldiers and military strategists thought, this is nonsense. Isn't this what we do? We try to reason it out. I mean, what kind of plan is that? We're going to walk around the city. Can't we just get a battering ram and kind of bust our way through these walls? Can't we just cut off their water supply and siege the city and wait it out? Can't we just shoot some flaming arrows over the wall? I mean, there's all these things we could do. But God said, no, just silently circle the city. And their deliverance, their victory was based on their obedience. Listen, you can go on and read the, the very next city they went to. They didn't do it God's way. They thought, now nah, we don't need that many people. We'll just go in with a few people. We'll do it this way, that way. And, and the next thing you know, this small town was chasing them down the hill. You do it God's way every time. Every single time. Every time. And so Joshua didn't just hear the word of the Lord. He obeyed it. He ordered the people to walk around the city like God said. They did it six days in silence. Then in Joshua 6, 16, the Bible says, The seventh time around, when the priest shouted the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And after seven days of circling Jericho, the wall fell, and God delivered on a 400-year-old promise. I told you about the promise earlier. The fall of Jericho shows us several things. God's promises don't have expiration dates. Somebody needs to hear this today. God's promise does not have an expiration date. This promise, this, the, the completion of this was 400 years after God promised Abraham that they would have this land. God's pattern for, is for us to keep circling an issue, keep circling that city, keep circling that promise in prayer and in faith until he brings it to pass. It's like Jesus said in Luke 18.1, he told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and never get up, never give up. When should you pray? Always. When should you, should you give up? Never. In all things, at all times, in every circumstance, always pray and never 
never give up. Okay, so with that in mind, we're going to look at these first two, quickly, these first two enemies in the land. And we're looking at these enemies they are told to us. I read it already in Deuteronomy 7. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you're entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, Gergesites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Each of these seven nations represent an enemy in the land of your promise. Listen to me, that you must defeat. The children of Israel had to defeat them, and you're going to have to overcome them also. To overcome them, you've got to understand them. To understand them, we look at the meaning of their names. Because in the Bible, names meant something. Names meant something. They were symbolic of character. So we can look at the character behind a, a, a name and do a study to get an insight to see the way that our enemies works against us. And the first enemy is the, the Hittite spirit. And the word Hittite means fear or terror. I'm telling you that anytime you step out from, for God, the first thing you're going to face every time is fear. Every single time. The enemy is going to try to use fear to keep you from doing anything. And this fear is a fear that's so strong that it depletes people of their strength, their courage, or the will to fight. It's fear that paralyzes people. Think about how terrorists operate today. They don't even have to blow something up. They can just, uh, they can just threaten to, and entire cities are immobilized with fear. That's how the Hittite spirit uh, attacks us today. It plants fear in our mind. It could sound something like this. Well, I'm, ne- I'm never going to have a promise from God. All these people may know their purpose. I'm never going to know that purpose. I think I'm afraid I'm just going to go through life never knowing it. God isn't going to give me anything. God isn't going to heal me. I- I'll probably fail. If I did step out in faith, I'd probably fail. That's a Hittite spirit. That's a spirit of fear trying to get you to not step out. And that spirit of fear attacks everybody when they begin to step out in faith. Think about it. We talk about this verse out of 2 Timothy. I just thought about this where, where Paul told Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of power, of, of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Read the context of that. The very first verse before that says, hey, stir up the gift that you got. Stir up that gift that was given when we laid hands on you. He's talking about when we ordained you, when we set you into ministry. You had a call on your life. The elders recognized that we laid hands on you. We prayed about you, prayed over it. God gave you gifts. Now, don't let a spirit of fear keep you from operating in the calling of God on your life. That happens anytime somebody wants to step out in faith. The enemy is going to try to come in with a spirit of fear, that Hittite spirit. When we started this church, I had to face a fear of failure. We had planted a church years ago that died a long, slow, painful death. And, and I only wanted to pastor again a church that was already established. They already had a building. They already had money. They already had, had uh, people. I did not to start, want to start with nothing again. But Pastor Dev and a group of ladies have been praying. And, and we began to pray about it and felt God was leading us to plan another church, but I still had this, yeah, you know, tried that, didn't work out so good, don't want to do it again. And she said to me, as a wise, godly woman that she is, Pastor Joe, and she don't call me pastor at all, but she said, Joe, babe, that was it, babe, okay. <laughs> Honey baby, man of God, oh. <laughs> what would you do if you knew you would not fail? I said, well, if you put it that way, I would start another church and I wouldn't have to build on another man's foundation or anything. And she goes, like, baby, holy man of God. <laughs> There's your answer. 
And, and I had this spirit of fear that had been telling me, you're too old, you're not good enough, you failed before, you're going to fail again. The same stuff we all hear. Come on. It's, God's gonna, the enemy speaks to that. That's the Hittite spirit using fear to kind of break you down so you give up. It wants to break us down in fear instead of us breaking through in faith. But I didn't give up. Instead, I turned to the word of God. Joshua 1.9 says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. The Lord will be with you wherever you go. If you're going where God has sent you, this is following on I'm sending you here go not just going on your own but you go where God has sent you God is with you wherever you go to to beasts and so you need to be strong instead of fearful and it took a courage to overcome the spirit of fear it took the faith in the word of God I had to trust God and I had to just go ahead and do it afraid I had to uh, step out and come out of my Egypt that was holding me back but if I had not overcome that fear and taken that risk we would not be sitting here today. None of you would be sitting here being blessed by this awesome sermon this morning. <laughs> so you've got to do the same thing. I've had to do it. You've got to do it. Break through that spirit of fear by doing what you're afraid to do. Step out in faith. First John 5, 4 says, this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. What blessings are you missing out of because Adam, because of fear? I encourage you today, face your fear and, and, and defeat that Hittite spirit in Jesus' name. The second spirit in the promised land, the second enemy is the Amorite spirit. The word Amorite, listen to me, it comes from the word real, to, that means talk, to say. Amorites are talkers. You know some Amorites. I'm not talking about them this morning. <laughs> Don't look at nobody around you. Don't elbow nobody. I'm talking about a demonic spirit that attacks you, listen, with words. Think of all the ways Satan attacks us. Think of this. Deception, words. Temptation, words. Accusation, words. Condemnation, words. Every single weapon the enemy has against us involves words. His power is in words. When he attacked Jesus in the wilderness, he didn't physically attack him, right? He talked to him. He used words. And he used words to try to what? Tempt him to somehow bypass God's destiny for him. Somehow bypass that cross. He wanted to keep him from his destiny. That's what the Amorite spirit wants to do to you. Keep you from your destiny. And to do that, he knows what to say, how to say it, and when to say it. But you've got to defeat that, that enemy the same way Jesus did, by talking back to the devil. You don't ignore him. You don't debate him. You talk back, and you use the very same words that Jesus used. It's the word of God. Jesus overcame that spirit through the word of God. Over and over, he said, it is written, it is written. That's what defeats the enemy every time. Now, listen, the enemy's subtle. He's not going to always show up and say, hey, I'm Satan, and I'm here to talk to you. <laughs> he does some of his best talking through other people. Again, do not look at anybody right now other than me. <laughs> I'm trying to help you this morning. <laughs> I've been trying to tell you. No. <laughs> In Matthew 16, 23, Peter tried to convince Jesus he didn't have to die for our sins. Same thing Satan was doing back at the beginning in the wilderness, tempting him. And Jesus turned to him and said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus knew full well it wasn't Peter who was suggesting this to him. It was the devil speaking through Peter. 
Satan works through other people. He speaks through other people. And we've got to remember that our war is not with flesh and blood. It's with demonic spirits. And I wonder how many people say stuff to every day that they really don't even know uh, that, that those thoughts have their origin in the mind of Satan. And they, uh, they're being a mouthpiece for Satan. Don't even know it. Could be a boss who's telling you this stuff. Every, you're worthless. You're, you'll never be nothing. Could be a parent, a spouse, a teacher, somebody else just telling you, you'll never accomplish anything. You'll never be anything. Listen, if you only fight with flesh and blood, you will start arguing with those people. But when you realize it's not them, there was a, a spirit speaking through them. There's an enemy who put those words in their mouth. You will resist the devil, the true enemy, and he will flee. You got to train yourself to do what Jesus did. Talk back to the enemy and talk back with the word of God. It only happens if you've already armed yourself with the word of God. By the way, Satan doesn't just use other people to speak to us. We do a lot of the damage to ourselves. By the words we say to ourselves. By the things we say about ourselves. And listen to this. Although the Amorites were the largest enemy that Israel had to conquer, Israel didn't know it. In fact, they didn't, when they spied out the land, they didn't think we don't, they thought we don't need our whole army to defeat this enemy. They only sent a portion of their troops to fight them, but they were wrong. The enemy, the Amorites chased them down and struck them down. A primary tactic of this lying Amorite spirit is to convince you that, that it has no power. To get you to underestimate it. It doesn't want you to realize the power of your word. It wants to convince you that what you say is not that big of a deal. But God tells us in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words have the power to hurt or the power to heal, the power to destroy or the power to build, the power to kill or the power to, to give life. But this Amorite spirit wants you to keep thinking that there is no power in your words because that will keep you out of your promised land because there is power in speaking the word of God. Listen, I'm not talking today about making a positive confession. I'm talking about making a biblical confession. I'm talking about speaking the word of God in the power of God in the name of Jesus. Romans 10, 8 says, the word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. The word of faith we are proclaiming. Are you proclaiming the word of faith or are you proclaiming words of doubt? What you say is important and the Amorite spirit is going to try to convince you that it's really no big deal. You don't have to watch what you say. Just think whatever comes to your head. And by the way, and somebody needs to hear this, just because you think it doesn't mean you need to say it. See, not only do impact, words impact ourselves and others, it really determines our destiny. You can, you can know the will of God in your life and never accomplish it, never accomplish it because you keep, you keep coming against that with your own words. God's trying to accomplish something in you and through you, but you keep destroying it with the words of your mouth. And you've got to know, you, and, and I've taught you today that to enter into this promised land, you're going to have to defeat the spirit of fear, this Hittite spirit. You're going to have to defeat this evil-speaking Amorite spirit. But and don't be no naive. You're in a spiritual war whether you like it or not. You can try to act like you're not and I'm not getting into that spiritual warfare stuff. It's too much for me. Well, okay. You're just going to get beat up every single time and take captive every single time. But listen, you do not have to fear the enemy. He's the one who fears spirit-filled Christians who are alert, who are armed with the word of God, who know the authority they have in Jesus' name. Demons tremble at the sound of that name. And when we submit to God and we resist the enemy, they must flee in the name of Jesus. So I'm putting Satan I'm putting these spirits on notice today that he will not keep us from our destiny. He will not keep our church from his destiny. We are ready to fight. We've got our armor on. We're picking our weapons up. We're sharpening our swords. 
We're coming after the enemy because God promised us that gates of hell will not prevail against us. God has given us everything we need to overcome Satan. He's giving us a spiritual armor to wear. He's given us weapons to defeat him, weapons that are mighty in God through the pulling down of strongholds. And God has given us the authority of Jesus' name to defeat every single enemy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Give him some glory. Hallelujah. Give him some praise today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Man, that's good preaching. I wish I was down there to hear that and I could amen myself today. But I'm just messing with you. I'm messing with you. What's God saying to you? What's your Jericho? What's your stronghold? What's the Egypt? Maybe you're still stuck in something. Maybe you've never even come out to, to go after a promise. You're stuck in Egypt. If you don't know what your promise is, you're stuck in Egypt. So that would be step one. Find out your promise from God, your call from God, the purpose of God for your life. Maybe you're on the way and you're still in the wilderness and the enemy's coming against you. Keep pressing on. Don't turn back. Maybe you're starting to see the fulfillment of it, but you're seeing all these walls all of a sudden. Hey, walls are in the land. Enemies are in the land. Don't let that spirit of fear overtake you. Don't let the words of the enemy. Do not buy into the words of the enemy and do not speak them in the name of Jesus. Speak the word of the Lord. If you've never given your heart and life to Jesus, Scripture says, that the, the Scripture I was reading about the Word being near you and in your mouth, and the Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus raised from the dead and you confess with your mouth, and you've got to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. I want to encourage you today to believe and to confess. And if you're at home watching, if you've done that, just put something in the comments like my decision and we'll, we'll get in contact with you here. If you want to make, us, make that known, let us know at the Welcome Center. Thank you so much for being here today. Hope to see you on Wednesday night for FX Wednesday. We're going to sing one more song. Y'all ready? And then we're going to be dismissed. God bless you.